Hello, wonderful musicians, and welcome to the Aligned Musician Podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly Hankins, and throughout this series, we'll be covering a wide variety of topics all related to musicians' wellness. I'm so excited for what we have planned, and thank you for joining us. David Cartolano, also known as the Conditioned Musician, is a guitarist that decided to become a physical therapist, but realized that was only the beginning. His popular podcast, also known as The Conditioned Musician, currently has 52 episodes in which he shares musician stories on their struggles and how physical movement helped overcome them. It was actually David that was the first person to ever reach out to me and ask to be on their podcast. A few months ago, we had a wonderful conversation where he really pushed me to get my own podcast started. So I don't think there's a better person to be my first guest. And David, I'm so grateful you're here with me today. Oh, Kimberly, that was awesome. You killed that intro. That was great. I forgot how many episodes I released. Honestly, I just keep cranking them out. It's unbelievable. And, you know, I have met so many people that have been on your podcast, and I always have an eye on it to learn about others that are active in the musicians' wellness community so I can connect with them. Um, But did you intend for your podcast to be this huge thing that brought the musicians' wellness community together? (laughs) No. (laughs) No, not at all. I I started the podcast, if, if you guys are curious, the podcast actually started because I was in a business mastermind and two of two other physical therapy students, they asked me and they said, David, do you have a podcast? And I said, no. And they said, start one. And I went, okay. And now I think fast forward six to nine months later, it's being listened to in like 40 countries and it, it blows my mind. I'm like, how how did this happen? I have no idea. I have no idea. So I just keep going. Wow. It hasn't even been a year. I didn't even realize that. (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. It's been, it's been a tough time, like figuring it out and getting different guests on it and trying, put, trying to like push it out and put it out there. But I believe if your intentions are pure and you really, really want to help people through the podcast and you're able to hold an audience like any musician can, you know, that's it. You just keep going forward with it. Oh my gosh. I hope more musicians do actually, because I'd love to hear other people's perspectives and like continue this, um, just building community. I love that so much. Um, okay. So you're a musician, you're a guitarist. I want to know what's your story. What made you want to branch out and explore helping musicians overcome injury? Oh my gosh. I mean, do you want the long version or the long version? So <laughs> I'll try to, I'll try to break this down. So I always started, uh, music just began in my life from my parents teaching us to sing our prayers at a very young age. My parents ran the folk choir at our church. So every Sunday, whether we liked it or not, we were dragged there and we would just sit there and listen to music over and over again. We'd listen to mom and dad singing and playing instruments. So eventually I grew up like, and that was my normal. You know, school was not my normal. I knew in second grade, I didn't like school. It just didn't make sense to me. I liked my teachers. I just didn't like what I was learning. Music was my best teacher. So I just picked up guitar one day because I heard 21 Guns on the Radio by Green Day. And I'm like, oh yeah, I want to learn that song. And I picked it up, started playing it. A year later, I was sick of sitting at, at mass watching my parents play guitar and sing. And I'm like, guys, can I do it? And they're like, yeah, like, come on up. Like, what, what are you sitting there for? Like, come on, join us. So I did that. And it was awesome. And music really just, it became such an essential part of my life. I sang, I played guitar, I danced. I was in every like 
theater and every dance company that was available, I did it. I became a Zumba instructor for crying out loud uh, because I just, I loved it. I loved performing and bringing art and making people smile. And how did I begin like the wellness side? Well, I took a career test in high school that said, you should become a physical therapist. And I'm like, okay, I'll do that. So <laughs> I volunteered at a clinic and I loved it. I loved working again. I just loved working with people, talking to them, making them laugh, showing them different exercises to help them out with their bodies. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll do this with my life. And I went through school, studied my butt off and just worked and worked and worked and, and learned more and more about different patients, about what problems they had. And as I was becoming a physical therapist, Kimberly, this is what started happening. All of my musician friends were like, David, my shoulder hurts. I'm like, huh, why does their shoulder hurt? And then they'd ask again, David, my wrist hurts. And I'm like, why? Okay, what, what, why does this keep happening over and over again? And it was just a common pattern. Even when I was in physical therapy school, I lived across the street from Manhattan School of Music. So everybody on my floor who knew me, knew me as like, oh, that's the physical therapist who's also a musician. So I'm going to ask, I'm just going to ask David questions. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to become a physical therapist for musicians. And that's where the story should have ended, but it didn't. So I actually, uh, I went to this incredible Ivy League school. I got in, I worked my butt off to get in. I ruined a few relationships along the way because I just, I had to get into that school. And then I failed it. And I'm like, what? what do I do now? So I failed out of Columbia. I got back in. And then three months in, I actually rescinded my application because I believed this isn't what I'm meant for. You know, I, if I become a physical therapist for musicians, I can only help about 10,000 before I'm dead. And there are so many musicians out there that are injured, that are genuinely injured. And it, it's all preventable. But if I only become a physical therapist, that's not going to help out the millions of musicians who are in pain every day. And I realized that if I became a physical therapist just to call myself a doctor, that is not going to be helping them. That's just going to be pursuing my ego. So this is where the conditioned musician came from. I had a few injuries while I was uh, uh, playing some gigs in college and I couldn't even solve it. I'm like, someone's got to do something about this. And that someone was me. And I just decided to make it happen and make it work. And I'm still making it work to this day. And that's, that's the goal. Wow. That's amazing. That's an incredible story. And, you know, mu music is something that's obviously been in your blood for a long time. And it's something that you're still very, very passionate about and you're still actively performing and everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because of the pandemic right now, unfortunately like that, that ain't a thing because especially oh, yeah. in Florida, there's a lot of predisposed conditions, like a lot of people that can't get in the same place. Um, I, my last real performance that I believe that I really, really loved um, was being in a jazz band. I think that was really, really fun. But because I graduated and then I went to physical therapy school for a year, there was no jazz band. Like you just, when you, when you're trying to become a doctor in healthcare, holy God, like you just, you got to throw so much away excuse me and um so the only gigs i play now are the church gigs the stuff i grew up with um but even now you know that's that's not happening but i'm, I'm dying to get back into it dying oh, to get back same in. same <laughs> i can't oh my gosh oh the shelter in place has lifted here in arizona and i'm just like i am so ready i'm so ready yes. um 
Okay, so you're so you've done physical therapy school, but you're also an exercise physiologist and a personal trainer. Tell me, what is exercise physiology, and how does that help you um, treat musicians with injury? Yeah, so exercise physiology is the study of the body and how it relates to exercise. And there are many different definitions of it. I'm sure I provided a very basic, simple one. But when you want to break it down, if, if you go to a gym and you just start running on a treadmill, you're not going to make your biceps bigger. That's just not the way the body works. Similarly, if you're a musician and you're doing, you know, 500 push-ups a day and practicing for six to eight hours, there's a reason why your body's going to hurt. And the exercise physiology is choosing, okay, what exercises are the best to attain a certain goal? So you have to clarify what you want in the end in order to figure out the process to get there. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. So it's a lot like, um, it's a lot like physical therapy in some ways because you're trying to identify corrective exercises in order to get you to a certain point. It's just that the goal in mind is different. Whereas physical therapy, you're trying to get somebody to feel great every single day and not be in pain anymore. But maybe exercise physiology is more like, okay, how do we get you to a place where you aren't going to get injured? Am I right? It's, it's, so you really touched on a great gray area because there's a lot of times where personal trainers or a certified strength and conditioning specialist, they sort of overlap into physical therapy and, and we sort of overlap into them because it, we can only, I think as physical therapists, you are there to treat and diagnose. You're there to diagnose and prescribe exercise. You're there to find the problem, diagnose it and solve it. But the thing is, just solving the problem isn't enough. You have to make like you have to make that lifestyle change. You have to be able to instead of just getting yourself out of sick to not sick, you have to go from not sick to be healthy. And I think that's where personal training and the exercise physiology side comes in. Um, because yes, can we get you better? Sure, we can take away your back pain. That's fine. But that doesn't mean you're not going to come back in three months with the same problem. So it's about figuring out okay which like which one does which because the doctors do one thing and then the strength coaches do another thing and sometimes they overlap and it gets a little awkward but yeah that's that's my answer unfortunately there's no easy way to really distinguish the two sometimes but i i think the the doctors make it medical they they're clinical they treat they know way more way more sure. um, but sometimes that knowledge can blind them a little bit and it's the same thing with the personal trainers. They know way, 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 way less. But at the same time, sometimes they see things that doctors don't. So it's a double-edged sword, man. Yeah, it's so, it's so interesting. And I feel like for a lot of musicians who don't know anything about this area uh, of the world, <laughs> you know, if I'm somebody that's a musician and I'm injured and I'm in pain and I want to feel better, like, what would you recommend I do? Should I seek out a movement therapist? Should I seek out a doctor? Like, what would be my steps? Okay, so I'm about, I'm about to explode y'all brains right now. So <laughs> here's the thing. When a musician gets hurt from playing their instrument, and it doesn't happen because, like, you dropped your instrument on your foot, and it's like, ow, that hurts. When you have pain that sort of creeps up over time, that means that there's something that you are doing or not doing that hasn't been addressed. So before you even like scream and run to Dwayne Reed as fast as you can and buy a bunch of crap to, I'm sorry, can I curse? 
I'm so yeah, sorry. You're good. <laughs> oh my gosh. And you buy a bunch of stuff to rub on your forearms to make you feel better. Stop for a second and actually ask yourself, wait a minute, why am I hurting? Like, what did I do to bring on this pain? And not out of like, oh my gosh, like I'm awful, I'm terrible. No, no, no. Actually ask yourself, okay, what led up to this moment? And can I prevent this from happening again? Because if y'all, if, if you were practicing Paganini for eight hours a day, no wonder your forearm feels like, like a bunch of bricks. Like it's, that's going to happen. And if you're stressed and you're freaked out before performance and you have auditions coming up and your stomach's in knots and you're freaked out and you just broke up with someone and you haven't been sleeping and you're entire and you've just been eating cookies and ginger ale for the past five days straight. Well, yeah, then you are going to feel pain. You're not going to function as a great musician because you just feel awful. And then yes, your forearm is going to hurt. So before you actually like go off and, and, and try to find a doctor, I would take a long, hard look in the mirror and say, okay, what have I done that has led me up to this point? Have I been exercising? Have I been getting sleep? How are my emotions? Because pain is so linked to emotions. Like it's ridiculous. I've seen patients who just, they don't get better. Why? Because their emotional state is always in the, it's always in the, like the garbage can. You have to deal with the inner demons. You have to deal with the anxiety, the depression, if you want to really, really get rid of that pain. Like, and it's such a hard thing to say, but it's, it's the reality. It's what I've seen in clinic. It's what I've seen in research. So yeah, if you're hurt, look at why you're hurt and try and do the opposite, right? Figure out what needs to stop happening in order for me to keep playing as a musician. And if you really are confused, yeah, go see a physical therapist. Go talk to a mental health uh, uh, professional but guys it starts with you it really really starts with you at the end of the day oh, that's such great advice that's yeah that's so powerful um and that leads right into my next thing i was gonna ask you um so how connected do you believe based on your research and your own personal experiences um that the mind and body really are connected oh my gosh they're one they're absolutely one absolutely uh, I mean, I, there's, there's no doubt in my head when, like I said, I would see patients who they, their bodies were fine. Like their, their range of motion was okay. They were able to do all of the movements, but they felt hideous pain. Why? And, you know, you would ask them and they'd say, well, this really traumatic thing happened to me five years ago, or I'm just getting over my divorce, or, you know, I, I just really don't know what I'm doing with my life. And I'm just really freaked out all the time. And that's when you sort of step back as a clinician and go, oh, well, maybe this isn't physical. Because the mind manifests, like the body manifests what's ever in the mind. So if you are stressed out about a performance coming up, if you're stressed out about a music festival or a competition, you will feel it in your body. You will feel a stomach ache. You will not be able to just go to sleep right away. You know, your body manifests what your mind manifests. And it sounds so cliche, but it's so true. I really, really believe this, y'all. Like if you're listening to this and you're stressed out as anything, look at how your body feels right now. You probably don't feel good, right? And on the, on the contrary, if you're happy and you feel fulfilled and you're like, yo, it's a pandemic, I'm chilling, I don't need to practice, you are going to feel more relaxed because that's how your body responds to your mind. They're one and the same, you guys. Don't try, 
don't try to separate the two. I've tried before and it's, it's, it doesn't work. I can tell you right now, it just doesn't work. It's so crazy too, because I feel like the Western medicine world has worked so hard to try to separate the mind and the body into these two completely separate fields. And it's hard for us as an average person to, I mean, we are, we're putting our faith and our trust into these people that are supposed to be healing us. And um, I know at least for me and my experience and with my yoga training too, I mean, in, in the ancient yoga sutras, it, um, there is an explanation of how and where certain emotions are stored within the body. And I think a lot of yoga teachers know this. I think a lot of massage therapists know this or rolfers or anybody yeah. that does body work and has actually worked with people. And I'm sure physical therapists too have experienced it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But just like as a yoga teacher, I mean, I will bring people into a certain pose and multiple people in the class will just start crying or like there will be a huge emotional release. And it's like, mm -hmm. you just start putting the pieces together where I know for me at first I was like, oh yeah, mind and body, totally separate. Like this is, this is ancient yoga sutras. Like what do they know compared to modern <laughs> medicine? Like, let's be honest. But then actually seeing, um, actually seeing and dealing, dealing with people and realizing, oh no, this is a thing. And then realizing for myself too, um, how much, how much tension I hold in my neck, in my shoulders, in my chest, in my jaw, and how in, um, in how Eastern medicine, this area of your body is associated with speaking your voice, finding your creativity, being able to talk to people, being able to express yourself without judgment. And I know for me, this is an area of my life that I'm really working through, <laughs> but I just wanted to bring it up because I just think, you know, this connection between mind and body, it's like, it's, it's unavoidable. And if you're somebody that is skeptical of the connection between your mind and body, just, you know, experiment for yourself and try to notice when you are experiencing stress, what areas of your body are you feeling that stress in? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to believe in it for it to be true. That's the thing. And that sounds like a really pretentious and cocky thing to say, but really, like you don't even have to believe, you don't have to believe in all this energy stuff. You don't have to believe in, in this whole mind-body connection. You don't, not at all. I, a lot of my patients didn't, and that's okay. But when I would ask them, hey, how are you feeling today? They're like, I'm feeling great. I'm like, oh, awesome. Can you give me one more rep? They're like, yeah. I'm like, of course you could, because you felt like you could. And, and that mind-body connection, I think, a lot of I think a lot of clinicians realize it, like more than, more than we think they do. But I think in the insurance game that is played in healthcare and seeing so many patients per unit in order to keep the clinic's lights on, unfortunately, there's not enough time to develop that. And I know a lot of clinicians, they know it, they understand it. It's just, unfortunately, the situations that they have placed themselves in and signing the contracts with the people who don't care about the mind-body stuff, you know, that's when we sort of lose it in healthcare, which is a real shame, it really is. It, oh, it really is. And, you know, hopefully with more studies that come out and with, you know, as, as medicine gets updated, you know, these things change. And hopefully this is a shift that will start to happen as more people become aware of it and start pushing for these studies to be done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, do you ever see people with injuries that you 100% know could have been prevented by some type of personal movement practice? Yes, 
Yes. <laughs> Y'all, it hurts me. It hurts me to see you guys practice for so long and so hard. You guys work, you, you musicians work so, so hard, especially if you're in school right now. Y'all just wake up and play and eat sometimes, play some more, and then go to sleep sometimes and then keep playing. The way I see it is like the body's like a group project. And if, you, if you've ever been in a group project where you were the one doing all the work and you saw everybody else like not doing enough, just take that, copy and paste that concept onto your body. So we all use our, we all use our forearms to play our instruments. Um, even if you play theremin, you still are using your forearm. So here's the deal. Y'all, we just keep using our forearms all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. And they become that guy in the group project that's doing all the work. Because then the shoulders are like, well, the forearm's just going to do all the work. So I'm just going to not, I'm just going to chill and take it easy. And then the, all the other muscles begin to take it easy in the arm. And then the forearm gets tired and frustrated and angry because it's doing all the work. And y'all, if we just worked on our shoulders a little bit more, guys, you don't have to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. You don't have to go to the gym and deadlift 3,000 pounds. Guys, just little, simple movements done consistently make a difference. Take 10 minutes out of your day and do a few shoulder exercises, rotator cuff exercises, and things like that. Um, and just do that. And repeat to yourself, I'm strong. I can do this. Take time out of your day to make affirmations as well as those physical movements. And of course, take breaks while you practice because like that's, that's I think the number one reason musicians get injured is they just don't take breaks. They, they're just going, yeah. going, 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 going. Cause we're obsessive as anything. So we'll just keep going until we break. And that's not enough. That's just not good enough. So yes, absolutely the physical side, you got it. You got to move those shoulders. You got to do those exercises. Two, the, the affirmative side, telling yourself, hey, I'm worth it, I can do this. You know what, I have imposter syndrome, but I'm going to do this anyway. And the third, I forgot the third. Uh, oh yeah, taking breaks. Just take breaks, y'all. Please, please, please. But yeah, I, I just made up that list. I got to put that on a t-shirt now. And drink water. <laughs> mm, four. Drink water. Water is nature's yeah. Advil. If you are feeling like your muscles are super sore, drink water, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, y'all. If you're in a practice room and you're drinking nothing but bubble tea and coffee, like, I know it tastes good, but y'all, just have some water, please. Because <laughs> I know there's not a water fountain in the practice room. There seldom is. Just bring water and just keep chugging it. Just keep drinking it. You're kind of like a houseplant with complicated emotions. You need water and you need sunlight. If you ignore those two, then you're going to wither. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, David, this next question, I just asked, I've been dying to ask you this question. Okay. So you recently just had the 2020-20 challenge. And one of the key aspects of that challenge, I mean, you encourage people to do movement every single day. And I feel so bad I wasn't able to participate in your challenge. It's all good. But, um, but why push-ups? I hate push-ups so much. <laughs> And when I saw that your challenge was a push-up every day, I was like, mm, David, I love you, buddy, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a great idea. Why push-ups? Um, so I believe in the concept of imperfect action, of putting something out there and just making it happen, walking on stage, even though you might not 
feel ready just walking on stage and just doing the darn thing anyway. And my mentors were like, David, you need to actually put something out there and you need to actually like charge some money for it and see if people will do it. So I put it out there and why push-ups? Because I wanted musicians to do something that made them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it could, here's the thing, it could have been a squat. It could have been, it could have been a bicep curl. It could have been God, it could have been, you know, one crunch. Like it, it doesn't matter what it actually was, but I wanted, um, what I wanted through the challenge was not to build push-ups, but to build consistency, to build that idea of, okay, I'm going to do this one thing for one second a day and just build it up. Because when it comes to managing yourself as a performer, managing your emotions, managing your injuries, like all of that at the end of the day comes down to consistency and doing the darn thing one day at a time over and over and over again. Because over time, you will see results. But if y'all just go to yoga and do it for one week and expect your life to be changed, it doesn't work like that. You have to eventually build up to it a little bit at a time. So that was really the goal of the challenge. And uh, it worked for some people. Some people it didn't, and it's all good, it's all good. Y'all, y'all just do what you need to do. I'm just here, I'll still be here. So, you know, you come to me when things hurt. You know, and oh my gosh, like you touched on a really great point there too. Push-ups, putting our weight on our hands and our wrists is so scary for us. Mm-hmm. It's so scary. And, but I like what you said of like imperfect um, completion and just try imperfect action and just trying it. And just, you know, if your biggest fear in your life is just putting weight on your hands, it's not going to kill you to do it for one second. And if you do that and you face your fear every single day, you know, you're only going to get better. You're only going to be forced through. And like you said, with the mind body connection, you're really having to put yourself out there and put yourself through your biggest fear. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think is a push up the best idea for a musician. Looking back on it, I was like, you know what? No, maybe I should have just <laughs> squat. Because you want, you want to avoid bending your wrist at an extreme a lot because we do that a lot as musicians anyway. But I think the idea of, yeah, though, you really touched on something that I want to expand on. There were patients I remember who were so scared of moving. They, they were so scared of moving that their mind manifested the pain, that their mind would crank up the pain and prevent them from moving. Like, have you ever heard a grown man or woman scream, not out of pain, but out of fear of like taking one step? Like genuine fear that locks them up and they're like, ah, and they take one step out of their wheelchair. And you're like, you did it, like you did it. And they're like, you know what? I did do it. And you're like, was that so bad? And they're like, no, 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 I think I can do another. I'm like, come on, give me another. And guys, unlocking that fear, I think that's one of the keys to unlocking your pain. If you can get over that fear of I'm broken, this is gonna hurt, this is gonna make me worse, I'm screwed, I'm never going to play on stage again. Guys, guys, stop, throw away the fear, just try one, try one. And if you can do one, be proud of yourself. And if you can do another, great. If you, if you are really scared, then don't worry about it. Try again tomorrow and just keep going with that. So, that's, so you really did touch on you know, unlocking that fear and, and being willing to move. I think that's, that's critical. That is absolutely critical. So glad you touched on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was something I've been wondering about because, you know, as a yoga instructor, it's like I try to give all the modifications. I try to be 
you know, as encompassing of everyone in the room as I possibly can be when I teach in person. And you know what, even when I give all the modifications, even when I tell people, you know, listen to your body, only do what feels right for you. I can say all of the things, but at the end of the day, sometimes there's always going to be one person in that room that's absolutely terrified, in pain, refuses to listen to anything I say and wants to blame it all on me. And I think that, you know, part of it is, can you just take responsibility for your own body? I'm not making you do anything at all, you know, and can you just take the personal responsibility and decide what's best for you? And I think some people are just scared of even doing that much. They want to blame their pain on somebody else or something else. Like, oh my gosh, I'm in pain because I play my instrument. But okay, you play tuba. Have you looked at the way that you're carrying your tuba around all day? Have you, you know, taken apart every single action that you do throughout the day that could also be causing you pain? Or maybe even, oh my gosh, there's probably a lot of people too. My hands hurt so bad. I play piano. Okay. But um, every weekend you play video games for like 10 hours a day and you're constantly typing or you're, you know, typing up papers. There's a lot of other similar actions we do throughout the day that mimic or are very close to the actions that we do playing an instrument. Right. And I think even, even expanding outside of that, you touched on something very powerful that it breaks my heart because I think of all my patients. I think of my grandfather who's had every surgery under the sun, but doesn't exercise. And his back pain is like 11 out of 10 each day. But here's the thing. You, you really touched on something that I want. If any, if any of you are still listening to it, listening to this podcast at this point, I want you to put down whatever you're doing and listen right now because this is critical. This is something that I've seen for years. Back when I was in physical therapy, the people that blame their pain on someone else or some other outside factor, they just didn't get better. It's what's known as a chronic pain patient where they're just going to be in pain for a very, very long time. And the thing is, the body might have healed itself a long time ago, but they haven't let go of that trauma. They haven't let go of the fact that they feel awful, but they're not going to do the work themselves because maybe they're scared to, maybe no one has encouraged them to, but they're just going to blame it on something else. And it's like, oh, well, my back is just like this. Oh, my evil back. Oh, you know, I just, I can't get better. And they use that stupid four-letter word. I can't do this. I can't do that. Well, you know, my mom messed me up. She treated me like this. No, you know, I had an ex that abused me. Like, y'all, if you don't let go of that stuff, if you don't go in and do the deep work, you will stay in pain. I can guarantee that. And it's awful. It's awful, y'all. I've seen people in pain who've been in pain for 20, 30, 40 50 years of their lives. Do you want to do that to yourself? Do you really want to hold on to that grudge? Do you really want to hold on to that blame of what happened to you? Y'all, like I'm getting emotional talking about it because it hurts. It hurts me to talk about it when I see people who are in so much pain because they just couldn't let go. Y'all take responsibility for this. All right, you can go back to... <laughs> to doing what you're I just, doing. I'm, I'm, oh I'm, I'm sure too, because it's like, I want to, I want to help people too, because they're looking, because they're blaming external factors, they're also looking externally for the help that they need. And it's like, I want to help you so bad, but I can't be 
the person that's going to help you. You know what I mean? Like you have to eventually, you have to take that initiative for yourself. Right. We facilitate, um, we can help you get there, but you got to take our hands. You got to come with us. You have to follow us. And it, it's, it's a choice. It is a choice. I believe chronic pain exists because someone could not make a decision. Um, and that's actually not my quote. That's a quote from some other physical therapists I have. Um, but they're like, yeah, it exists because someone couldn't just get past it. They couldn't take the step. Yeah, it's, yeah. You know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of parallels with uh, this being a music teacher too. Absolutely. You know, like, I really oh wish my, my teacher would be so much better. But it's like, I can't practice for you. At the end of the day, you have to pick up the instrument yourself and figure it out what works for you. Mm -hmm. And yeah, oh, oh my God. And it sounds so harsh, right? It sounds so harsh saying, well, you got to do it. You got to do it. Yeah. But yeah, you, you, you do. We'll help you. We are here to help. We are here to facilitate you healing or becoming a better musician. Like we can help you do that. But at the end of the day, you got to be able to help yourself in order for us to help you. Oh, absolutely. That's it. Okay, I just had a few more questions. Go ahead. Uh, I'm joined. <laughs> I am loving this. I always love our conversations. Yeah. Um, okay, so everyone talks about how important posture is, including myself. Yeah. And I really do think it is important. Yes. But do you believe it is really the most important aspect of injury prevention? No. And here's, I'm going to explain it like this. So, y'all, posture is kind of like technique as a musician you might have incredible posture so you have incredible technique and people are like oh my gosh you play your instruments so well but y'all have you ever been in a choir or an orchestra where somebody's piano was your forte all right where you where that person just blasts and they have no attention to dynamics at all does that mean just because they have good technique that they're a good musician no they're loud all the time. They are ruining the dynamics of the orchestra and the piece because they're just loud. They ignore dynamics. Maybe they're a pain in the butt to work with because they're divas, because they know how good they are. Does that mean they're a good musician? No, because it's actually really difficult to work with them. So back to posture. Yes, is posture important? Of course it is, but it's not the only thing that makes for an, an injury to go away. It's not the only thing that makes for a balanced musician. It's posture, it's strength, it's nutrition. It's like, what, what else is going on? And also when I see posture, people are like, oh, I gotta adjust my posture, right? And then they stiffen their backs like they were electrocuted. I'm like, no, no, that's not just it. Because sometimes when people think posture, they think, oh, I gotta force my body to, to stand straight up. And when they do that, they're using different muscles that might not be the right muscles to use for posture. So again, that's why I'm talking strength. That's why I'm talking flexibility. That's why I'm talking having that affirmative side and being like, I can get over this. I can get over my pain. Because guys, stiffening your back like you take the broomstick to it, I'll let you in on a little secret. Back in clinic, again, I keep going back to my clinic days, but <laughs> back in clinic, y'all, I've, I've seen patients who had severe low back pain. Guess what? Some of them were bent over. Some of them stood straight up totally fine. So posture was not the difference between the two. So you got to look at all factors. Yes, is posture important? Of course it is. So is technique. But y'all, you got to pay attention to dynamics. You got to pay attention to like, like how you show up to a gig. What's the point of being a musician if you show up three hours late to a gig? You feel me? So you got to address <laughs> the other things. 
<laughs> you know, and I, I think so. Um, I think also that posture is also connected to the mind and body because think about for a moment, um, a person that is incredibly depressed, what kind of posture do they have? Are they sitting up straight, excited? Like, <laughs> no, they're, they're slouched over. They're, um, you know, they might have their shoulders down. They might be creaking their neck up to see people. There's this really, you know, <laughs> not normal posture that's going on there. And I feel like the same thing happens when people are anxious. You know, when people are anxious, their shoulders come forward. Most of the time they're trying to protect their chest. Um, and I'm sure that there is, you know, a posture that people take for a lot of different emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Posture is reflective of mood. It really is. Right. It, it's not, it's again, there, and there's also no ideal posture, just like there's no ideal technique. You fit yourself to your right. instrument, so you have to find what is right for you. Your posture that makes you feel good is the posture that doesn't cause pain. But yeah, if you're tired later in the day, you're going to be bent over a bit more. If you have a stomach ache, you're going to be bent over. If you're happy, you might stand a bit taller and spread your chest a little bit. Like, guys, it's, it's reflective of our mood. It, it is not what our teachers tell us to straighten your posture. You'll be a better musician. I don't know about that. Really? It's, but that's what your teacher has told you. So you're just going off of that information. So. All right. Or, or you know chest up and keep your shoulders down and back that yeah, is the worst <laughs> that is the worst postural alignment thing i've ever been told like no i'm not going to keep my shoulders back when i'm playing my instrument that's horrible advice yeah and the, and what people might realize is your teacher who is five foot zero is teaching you how to play an instrument and you are five foot seven you have different size arms you have different size hands you have different size um, you have different muscular patterns. You have different muscular patterns. No, you have different movement patterns. You might have different levels of muscular conditioning. They might have a postural mis misalignment. Maybe, they, maybe they've injured themselves and they stand in a certain way. So y'all, yes, you need to listen to your teachers because maybe they will give you a bit of advice that will help you out. But at the end of the day, you're the musician playing the instrument. Your body is different than theirs. So you have to find what is right for you. There are a few mistakes that people make, like when pianists tuck their thumbs underneath their hands to, to play arpeggios. Like that's, 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 you, that's universally like not good. So if they help you with that sort of thing, great, no problem. But when they say like, oh, you need to be sitting a certain way. No, no, no. Hold up. Talk to an actual doctor about that. Talk to, you know, a movement professional about that because they're the ones who have better answers than your professors when it comes to saying your body needs to look like blank. Does that make sense? Totally. And I, I feel like also, you know, Alexander Technique people are some of the best people in the world <laughs> to help you deal with those kinds of things. And I've, I've had great Alexander Technique lessons where it's just completely changed my posture. But I think I think actually the most important thing about posture is just making sure that you have absolute freedom of movement in all of your joints. Absolutely. Like in the posture that you're in, whatever it is, do you have the ability to have full freedom of all your joints? And if you don't know what full freedom is, that's something to explore. And, you know, there's, there's absolutely a million different ways of finding the correct or incorrect posture for you, but any posture that you find, you, you should never just sit still. That's another thing I think people 
mess up a lot is they're like, oh, I found my perfect technique. I found my perfect posture. I'm going to, I have to sit exactly like this for the two hours I'm in orchestra or I'm not, you know, going to support myself well. But in reality, it's like, actually, you should be moving around the whole time and constantly finding different positions that feel good for you. Because we're, we change all the time. Our bodies move in cycles. They do. Clinically speaking, they move in cycles. Have you ever had days where you pick up your instrument and you're like, oh man, I am feeling it. I, I sound like a million bucks. And then the next day you wake up and you're like, wow, I sound like crap. But the instrument didn't change. We're the ones who changed. So your posture and how you feel and how you play, it's going to change throughout the day. So it's up to you to find out how am I going to play without feeling those restrictions and movement. So it's awesome. Mm. So what is the most important aspect of movement for recovering from pain or injury? What do you think? And if I had to pick just one thing, what would you recommend musicians do on a daily basis or maybe as part of our pre-practicing routine? Don't numb yourself. Don't try and numb yourself. And I mean that in, I mean that medically, I mean that spiritually, I mean that personally. Um, don't, if you're trying to recover from something, don't just sweep it under the rug. Don't pretend like if you do nothing about it, it's going to go away. Because I could give you, I could give you all the exercises. I could give you what you need to do, but that doesn't actually matter in the end. What matters is if you're actually going to do it. If you can actually look at the problem you have and commit yourself to solving it. And, um, that is, uh, seriously, that is what I believe is the number one thing. Don't numb yourself. Actually do it. That's such great advice. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, I think that wraps up my questions. Is there anything else that you'd like to speak on today or any advice you'd like to give the musicians that are listening? Oh my gosh. Uh, advice? Yeah. Don't try to have it all figured out because no one does. Seriously. Seriously. If you're dealing with pain, if you're dealing with anxiety, if you're dealing with performance anxiety, if you're dealing with trying to get into a music school, which I've talked to other musicians about and and they're, they're scared and they're trying to make it through this pandemic. Who says you got to get it all figured out? You don't. Y'all, I had patients who were like in their 70s and 80s trying to figure it out. Y'all got time. Y'all have time. It's going to be all right. Oh, thank you so much, David. I always love talking to you. And thank you so much for being on this podcast. Oh my gosh, you are so welcome. This was fun. This was amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh, to my listeners, if they want to find you and reach out to you, what's the best way to get in contact? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at The Condition Musician. Uh, you can also, I'm including, I believe I sent you a link and I, you can download a, a free guide to getting rid of musician. It's the Working Musician's Guide to Getting Rid of Nagging Pains. So like, if y'all want to take that and go through that, that's free. Like, go for it. I'm not charging you for it. Go through that. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at the condition musician. I started TikTok because I need to stop taking life so seriously. So I'm, I'm doing that. So you can also find me at the condition musician on TikTok. You can find me, um, on Facebook at David Cardellano, but there's a lot of different business things going on on Facebook. I have a few clients and it has nothing to do with what I'm doing with the condition musician. So if y'all need me, just send me a DM. Like, please, please, guys, I, I love talking. I love talking to people. Please send me a DM. Don't be shy. Don't be like, oh, David's just not going to respond. No, I read them all. I really do because I'm a nerd. So <laughs> reach out to me. I'm, I don't bite, I promise. 
No, you're amazing. Thank you so much, David. You're so all right. welcome. To all of our listeners, thank you so much for supporting this podcast, for listening, and hope you join us next time. Take care.